Hello and welcome to Brubach and Beyond podcast, where we are shaping the world we live in so more people can find the construction industry uncommonly refreshing. Thank you for listening to this podcast today. I hope that you've enjoyed our last episodes where they've gone a little long, so we've cut them into two episodes. Today, we have a lot of guests with us, and the topic is Con Expo. With that, I would like to introduce Keith Brubacher. Hello, I'm Keith Brubacher. I serve as president of Brubacher Excavating. My main responsibilities, as you might guess, are revolving around strategy, culture, and relationships. And it's my privilege to work with a great team and to welcome our guests today, uh, eager to introduce and uh, hear uh, more about them. Alan? Alan Day, Director of Estimating and Project Management here with Brubacher. Uh, I think my title is relatively straightforward, but just give leadership and oversight to our sales and estimating, as well as project management teams. Hello, Andy Horning. I'm the equipment manager here at Brubacher. I am tasked with purchasing equipment and making sure the fleet is up and running so our ops team can keep working out in the field. It is my privilege today to welcome our dealership salespeople. With us, we have Pat Close from Cleveland Brothers Equipment, Brady Yankst from Groff Tractor, and Jason Wazileski from Komatsu America Corps. And they are all in the same room sitting across from each other. It's a wonderful day. <laughs> but again, this podcast is to help everybody in the industry, not just for Brubacher employees, but hopefully if you are somewhere else in the lower 48s or in the upper states, you will find this educational and bring value to you and your company, hopefully. So we uh, always start off the podcast. Uh, this has kind of been the signature. Pat, describe yourself. Who are you and what do you like to do? So I'm Pat Close, obviously work for Cleveland Brothers, selling CAT. Uh, Brubacher is one of my accounts, 23 years in the industry and in various roles, operator, mechanic, equipment manager, and into sales now. Outdoor enthusiast, have three boys, um, hunting, fishing, um, and we enjoy going to uh, dirt track racing locally. So I used to race when I was younger. So um, kind of me in a nutshell, pretty simple guy that likes equipment and has been doing it all his life. So Nice. Thank you for that. Brady. Can you describe yourself? Sure. Uh, Brady Yankst. I'm from uh, the Lancaster area. I have been with Groff Tracker and Equipment for nine plus years. I'm a key account sales manager representing John Deere and Working Equipment. I'm a husband, father of three kids who are heavily involved in sports and other activities and uh, also do some volunteering of my time on the side, both with their sports activities and with the uh, Lancaster County Career and Technology Center on their uh, OAC or Occupational Advisory Committee. Thank you for that. Last but not least, Jason. Jason Wazileski with Komatsu America Corp. Been a territory manager for 22 years, selling and renting Komatsu and managing uh, key accounts. Like to do some hunting and fishing on my time off. Like to spend a lot of time with my family and uh, glad to be here today with everyone. So thank you guys for coming here, making the trip to our facility. We appreciate your uh, relationships that you've had with Brubacher over the years. I'd like to thank Andy for setting all this up. I know it uh, was a daunting task coordinating all the schedules, so thank you for that. That was pretty easy. They were pretty anxious to come in here. <laughs> <laughs> we got three equipment salesmen here, and we're not even buying any. <laughs> What's the chances of that? That's not, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Okay, we're well, not today. <laughs> so with that, uh, you know, with everyone... I will say, except for me coming back from Las Vegas, um, I do have it on my calendar for 2026. 
that's a life event I want to go to. But with everybody coming back, uh, I think it's appropriate. Maybe, Keith, you set the stage of Con Expo, the overview from your lens. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to do that. So I've been attending Con Expo. It's held every three years. been attending that for, uh, I don't know, 20-some years or so uh, throughout my career. And it's actually the second largest construction equipment and related resources show on Earth. And it, it ranks after number one, Balma, which is a European show that's held as well. So it's every three years in Las Vegas. Uh, use the whole convention center. I think the total display area is about 3 million square feet. Uh, I don't know how far it was from one end of the furthest lot to the other end of the furthest building, but it had to be a mile and a half. I don't know. It was uh, We didn't count the steps, but we put on a lot of miles. The attendance uh, for this year in 2023 was estimated at just under 140,000 attendees and certainly many other people involved in supporting that. So there's everything from major equipment manufacturers like uh, the three represented here today. Uh, to new entrants in the U.S. market from abroad, software, safety, sweepers, you name it, anything in between is on display. Uh, folks trying to introduce new uh, new things to the market or uh, acquaint us with uh, familiar things that we're, we're already aware of and being reminded of. So there's a wide variety of people that attend ConExpo, from equipment managers like uh, folks in Andy's role here at Brubacher, to operations manager, the do work side, is there something else that can help us do our work more effectively? Uh, the operations folks, some companies send project managers, maybe supervisors, maybe they hold a drawing and send a couple operators. Then there's owners, executives, supervisors, a few finance folks want to know where all that money gets spent at. So there, there are a few of the CFOs there and some operators and, of course, a wide range of, of others on the dealer manufacturer side as well. So it's really a big mix of people. But uh, you see a lot of uh, blue jeans and work shirts uh, walking walking around the show. So you've been to how many do you think con expos in your lifetime? Keith? Well, I think the first one might have been two thousand and five, maybe. Oh, maybe it was before that even two thousand. So yeah, about about twenty twenty years that I've been attending. And the first one you attended was by yourself, or did you go with your... No, someone? no, I was a chaperone by my father. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> the first one, uh, for sure. And uh, we would have attended with uh, a number of folks in management and even a couple of project managers uh, that would have attended uh, in those days. So what's the biggest thing that's changed from 2005-ish era to now, you think? Well, I could answer that a couple of different ways. Uh, one very obvious, uh, there's uh, less models used to sell equipment you know, on the show floor. Uh, that That's kind of fallen out of favor. So that's one very, very obvious. But from a, a show standpoint, I think the, the biggest thing is the, the opportunity to experience the technology, technological changes. So it's not a show where you can actually operate equipment. Uh, there's very, very little opportunity to do that. It's, it's crowded. It's, it could be dangerous to operate equipment. Some manufacturers will have a professional set of operators that are demonstrating things. But with the advent of technology, you can really get a feel for what it does and how it might integrate into your operations. And it's not it's not only conceptual. So that's that's been a, a real shift uh, in in the show, in the show experience there. So on the other side of that, with Andy and Alan, this was your first show. So I'm interested to see your your perspective on this. Alan, what did you think of it and what did you get out of it? Yeah, so so I was there already a couple of days early for a software program that we use has an annual conference and they always align their schedule of that with Con Expo when it's in town in Vegas. And so I wanted to take the opportunity. We already paid for the travel and, and the hotel stay. So I figured I'd stay an extra day or two and and experience the vastness that is Con Expo for, for a day. 
And so, um, you know, while I, I saw more than I expected to see, I definitely very easily could have spent an extra couple of days there just to, to see it all uh, in an eight hour time frame to see three million square foot of, of space. It just the math doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, kind of my couple takeaways that I have, first and foremost, obviously it's big, you know, just so much ground to cover. And, and it was kind of overwhelming in my mind to think about how do I make the most of my time while I'm there? It's impressive. And, and when I say impressive, I, I'm a kind of behind the scenes kind of guy. I always enjoy what, what happens behind the scenes to make things happen. And whether that's, you know, in, in, a, in a play that, that kids put on at a school or something as big as, as Con Expo and just thinking about the time and effort that goes into planning that and getting the equipment there. And, and I could see from my hotel room, I could see one of the parking lots and the two nights leading up to Con Expo, the opening day there were definitely light towers out to make sure that everything was was ready to go. But I'm sure a lot of that started weeks and even months well in advance of, of getting that started. And then, of course, innovation. It's all about innovation. And it's not just what's current today, but it's beyond that. It's looking at what's going to be current in a couple of years or, or even beyond that. So a lot to take in. Yes. There was a part that I read and saw an article about the Tesla tunnel. Anyone able to, to to take the Tesla tunnel? Tour? I saw it, but my, my goal was find a hotel close, close enough that you don't need to depend on anything other than your legs to get to the show. You know, not in the taxi line, but I did see the the, the Tesla tunnel come up uh, the new West Wing. So I will put I will put that down, Keith. At one, be within walking distance of your hotel room from the Con Expo, and be in shape. Be, be walking. Shoes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to keep up with me, anyways. Yeah. <laughs> so Andy. I don't know what to say, but I think uh, it was definitely you had to be there, right? If you if you oversee a fleet the size that you oversee and want to stay connected, I guess this is the place to be for an equipment manager or anybody on that side of the of of, of the do work side of the business. Would you say that, Chris? You're right. It is like he said, the biggest show in North America. So what better place to go to try to find new technology, new equipment, what's happening? It was probably a little naive going to the show, understanding that it was big, had no idea it was as immense as it was. Like Alan said, it was just huge. So trying to, I, I kind of had a plan in my head and what I'm going to do, I'm going to tackle this and I'm going to see as much as I can throughout the three days we were there. And I think for future, I need to focus on certain things instead of trying to cover everything. There's just too much uh, to take in and walk away with a lot. So I was able to walk away with some things. I mean, I think there's some new things coming in the future. Electrification has me intrigued. I'm not sure how that fits into our business here at Rubacher, but that does intrigue me. And the, the technology that's coming... Um, it's above my head, and uh, I look forward to what it can do for us in the future. One of the um, things, my takeaways was with with the technology that's coming, what does that look like? So 10 years ago, what have we ever thought that we are where we are today? What, what have we thought that what is possible today was possible 10 years ago? Was, was that even a possibility? No, there, there was, there was it, it seemed like a... Oh, that's something somebody's going to use that's running 
a, a big mining site or uh, some big project out out west where they have 657 fleets and there's just 10 of them in the fleet and you think and now we have guys using gps and creating a model to do a mcdonald's pad so i i can i can attest to 10 years ago i didn't i didn't see and i think a lot of people saw the progress that's been made in those areas Right. And the, the autonomous vehicles that are coming, we, we saw some excavators digging and there was nobody operating them. Uh, you do have some remote control vehicles that are equipment that was out there. So I, I guess when saying what we didn't think was possible 10 years ago, what's possible in the next 10 years? Are we going to be the Jetsons? Are we going to be <laughs> flying in our personal cars <laughs> or planes to and from work? So, you know, the sky's the limit. I mean, that's really what I, I took away from it. And I would say any of those expos that you go to, there are some concepts or some theories that are just so far out there, but you need those so far to get halfway that you're going to be. Right. So I will throw it to our guests. Um, and I'll ask this question and we can tweak it to each one of you. But what new innovations are you excited about that your manufacturing brand is doing? And I'll start with Pat here. What What did you come out with that? just excited you from this event? Um, there's multiple things that, that we've come out with. And and I mean, I'll go right to what Andy was just talking about, autonomous vehicles. Um, it's something that, you know, talking to people internally and, and guys from the manufacturer, they've been working on since the 90s to try and figure out. And now they've got, you know, the halt trucks that'll back into a machine. There's nobody in them. Um, you can run them remote. You can, they can run fully autonomous. Um, a lot of that, as Keith said earlier, was big work sites and stuff out west where there's not a lot around in mines. Now it's trying to take that technology and take it down into where can it be used in a area like we live in where the job sites are tighter, they're smaller, and how can that work to help? It's all, everybody's having trouble trying to get operators and people into the seats and have enough help. So now it's trying to figure out how to take that technology that's been worked on at a higher level at bigger job sites and find a way to get it into a tighter area or what style of work we do around here. And then also with that, um, the diesel electric dozers and starting to go into the wheel loaders and everybody's starting to go down that, whether it be full battery, whether it be diesel electric, like we have on our XE equipment, there's, you know, all the different technologies are going to, to, to meet emissions and try and save fuel and, and things like that, that, that um, you know, the GPS has been around for a while and just keeps getting more fine tuned. But I think some of that autonomy and and the uh, diesel over electric technology is what really um, excites me a lot. So um, to piggyback off of that. My notes are very similar to Pat's actually, and and in general, just the advancement of technology. Uh, so uh, to look for really the goal being for the, uh, for the contractor, for you guys to be more efficient, be more productive and using, you know, improve uptime. So you like using different technologies like the GPS advancing, like the, you know, improvements in uh, fuel efficiency, as well as, you know, improvements in the telematics where you can talk to machines remotely, maybe solve problems remotely back and forth, and at least be able to diagnose, you know, the machines remotely so we can send a technician out once to fix it versus once to diagnose it, then a second time to repair it. Smart detection, you know, cameras and, and you know, being able to make job sites safer, you know, uh, where it's going to detect someone behind the machine if it's backing up, maybe stop the machine, depending on the exact technology of it. Uh, so 
really that just the continuation, a lot of this technology isn't necessarily new. So when you ask about something new, but really for me, it was looking at the advancements and how that is getting uh, so much better and finding different ways, you know, to manage that information and share it. So do you see the safety taking, I'm not going to say a back step, but do you think that the safety has gone as far as it can go and technology is number one? Or do you think it's the efficiencies or what do you hear from other customers is most important to them? Uh, I mean, safety is important to everybody and should be. So uh, I don't know that I'd say it's taken a back seat, but it kind of just falls in the same line of using whatever technology we have to improve different facets of what the contractors are out there doing on a daily basis, you know? Yeah. So, you know, and, and efficiency is one way uptime, but also if you can use the technologies that are coming along for safety, that helps too. You know, everyone wants to protect their, their people. Yes. Jason, I'll leave this question. What new innovations um, are you excited about that your manufacturing brand is, is doing that you took away from the Pine Expo? I think the most exciting innovations are Kamasu's new dashboard and, and their apps that can go on your phone and they have something for small, medium, and, and large customers. So the large customers, they, they have uh, you know a dashboard that they upload the data from the Intelligent Machine Control 2.0 dozers and excavators overnight. They do the data processing, and you know how your model, your job site changed the next morning. So you have a record every day how that job site changed. So you may need it in the future for your customer. For personnel, you know, changes, bringing in more equipment, less equipment to meet your goals. Or they have phone apps. I mean, Komatsu exclusive. And you can do your time clock. You can do pictures and do your machine inspections and take pictures. And there's, you know, then there's accountability. So the technology, no matter what size uh, company you are, uh, with the dashboards and the new phone apps that, uh, that that's available, and then, you know, all the machines were upgraded to machine control 2.0, the excavators and dozers. So, you know, whether, you know, it's a dozer, you can have it in full automatic machine control and just go forward and reverse. And the machine, you know, knows how to be efficient for fuel and the tracks don't slip or the excavator has a semi-automatic dig and uh, options for pipe crews for efficiency. Anything to give you a competitive uh, advantage for a less experienced operator. So. And this is for everybody. Is the technology so complicated nowadays? Is it helping efficiencies or hurting efficiencies? And I would ask Keith, I guess, that question since uh, you give me, me the hard ones. Yeah, so I'll <laughs> yeah. give you the hard one. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got the picture. Oh, <laughs> no problem. But I mean, it's, it's an opinion. So I don't know if it can be right, right or wrong. Uh, you asked my opinion on that. And it's, it's around, uh, I think, the efficiency chain. If you want to harvest the efficiency, where you apply the effort changes and it has to be uh up front in training the operators and then ongoing when they're when they're in the seat and if you don't do that well then it becomes a complicated piece that uh, may not be maximized but i think the other thing is we're we're sitting around here i think we talked about uh the, the amount of time we've had in our in our roles various folks shared that uh 20 years 30 years etc and so we're we're thinking about and answering this question as as folks that have been in the industry for a while. We're not the digital natives that are coming into the industry, coming into these seats. And so I think we've got to be really careful with our opinions, even my own, as to what is what is complicating versus what is helpful. It may be complicating to me, 
and helpful to someone else who accidentally figures out three times more than I'm going to learn intentionally in a three-week period of time. Uh, we have operators that, in addition to doing the training, accessing information on the QR code we put in the machines, uh, reading the, the available information there, they're going they're online on YouTube and the manufacturer's website and industry forums, uh, learning real time and saying, hey, I learned this does that, and uh, I'd like to learn more about it. And that's in addition to the training that we're doing in-house and with our manufacturers. So there, there's a whole different mindset of I'll learn it when I need it versus I'll, I'll sit in a classroom and I'll learn what I need to know for the next two years, uh, and then I'll go and figure out how to apply. So I think the it really depends, the answer to the question on does it helping or hindering efficiency depends upon who you're asking and how you're operating. And so I'll put that question out to our manufacturer's reps here. How does a good employer train the next generation? You know, we're, we're looking, and he said it, 20 years, 30 years, at some point, most of us are going to retire, but there is a younger generation that wants to get into this industry. And in your eyes, what is a good contractor doing to train those new generations? Who went last or first last time or whatever? So, we'll, Jason, if you want to go first, then we'll sure. go around. But I would say just keep up with technology because you blink and what you thought you knew three, five years ago is obsolete. You thought, oh, we've got this great lithium battery excavator. Well, that's obsolete in three to five years. And now we're on hydrogen or we're on fuel cell or we're on cold fusion or who knows what they're going to have. So, you know, just keep up with the technology and, and be open and, um, you know, don't be afraid to get get technology training from the man, you know, that your local distributors, um, they know best. They have in-house personnel and they're always being trained throughout the year. And uh, just take advantage of that. So one of the points that you brought up is training. And, and at Brubacher, we have continuous training for our employees. But let's say I'm a small independent operator. How do I get training? Or what if I'm starting new or just renting this equipment? What would you be your suggestion there? I know for our comp company, we have in-house training for the technology. So we have something called a TSE, Technical Service Expert. And they can walk you through if you've never done GPS before, help you set your job site up, teach you how to use the equipment, facilitate models, drone flyovers. I mean, everything that's you know cutting edge. So. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Brady, I'll go with you next. How does a good employer train the next generation? I think teaching basics and also listening to them, encouraging, empowering employees and encouraging them to bring ideas, you know, because everything's changing very rapidly, you know, especially from the technology standpoint. And to, to piggyback on what Keith said, I'll speak for my own household. Like my 13-year-old is probably our IT person in our household. <laughs> my eight-year-old uh, is probably more technologically advanced than I am. You know, so all these younger people that are going to be coming into the industry are already going to have a more technological background than we all had, I think, sitting at this table. And to encourage that uh, to flourish and um, empower them, let people, you know, best way to learn is to let people make mistakes, I feel like, you know, so give people the chance to uh, make decisions, make mistakes and grow. Uh, because they're going to have to grow rapidly with how everything is changing so rapidly. Pat, I'll leave it up to you last. Um, yeah, and I guess I'll just piggyback off of what Brady said about the basics. We go out and we do training on machines when we deliver them or follow-up training with operators. 
And when you get out, especially with the younger ones that are just coming in, a lot of times we'll get out there and they have a new machine, whether it be excavator goes or whatever it is. And we'll go up and we'll start to try and train them. And they're like, oh, yeah, I already know how to do that. I did this. I did this. They either watch it on YouTube or they're so accustomed to flipping through apps on phones. They went through that machine and they figured it out before you even got there. Some of what you run into is we forget the basics in those instances. Now they know how to use GPS or now they know how to do this. But say the GPS goes out, we're on a job site. There isn't GPS now all of a sudden they're stuck. They can't grade. They can't figure out what to do with that machine. So I think some of it is, and we do it internally in our own dealership. You have to remember, they might be advanced over here on this side where we aren't because we're older guys, but now we've got to get them up to school and the stuff that we took for granted when we came into the industry. So um, I think you kind of got to remember to, to go back and make sure they have the basics as well as the advanced stuff that we're working on. The technology is getting very easy to deal with in the last what, three years, probably. It was a lot harder and more cumbersome to use three years ago than it is now. It's almost where you can just, anybody can get in there. You know, probably our kids can get in there and figure out how to set up 2D on a machine or something, but probably can. Yeah, it's, it's very simple that way. So, Thank you for listening to the Brubacher podcast today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to our podcast so you can listen to new episodes every month. Share it with your friends in the industry and those who might like to learn more about the construction industry. Feel free to check us out on our website at www.brewbacher.net. We hope you found the discussion insightful and we look forward to the next time.